Hey, this old marketing listeners, did you know that StreamYard is the easiest way to create content right in your browser? You can multi-stream to your social media platforms, host a weekly show with special guests, create webinars, record podcasts with local recordings, create videos, and more. Much, much more. And they make it easy to brand and customize your videos inside the studio before you even go live. StreamYard is super popular with live streamers, video creators, YouTubers, and podcasters. With features like live streaming, webinars, local recordings, screen sharing, and more, StreamYard makes it simple to get your professional and polished content every time. Every time, folks. Get started today for free at www.streamyard.com. Do it today. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 366 of This Old Marketing for Friday, March 10th, 2023. And with me, as always, my pal, my colleague, and let's face it, a guy who hasn't seen this weekend's Oscar contenders, but did actually pay good fiat currency to see 80 for Brady, Mr. Joe (laughs) Pelosi. Dude, you did go there. That was supposed to be between us. Uh, you know what? I, I am, I'm 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 afraid you may have to turn. It's not it's not about a man card, but it is about a I, I don't know what it is. Some sort of card you need to turn in after going to see a young person's card, maybe for going to see eighty for Brady. Well, there's That's a, just there's a couple things to that. First of all, okay, I want to hear this story because this yeah I, I'm 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 a little I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned for you. There's a there's a group of people out there that will totally understand this. I'm married. I don't think there is. No, no, no. I'm married. Uh, And my wife wanted to go see a certain movie. And of course, when you, and and of course, I love popcorn. So I'm going to please my wife by going to this movie. At the same time, I'm going to eat popcorn. It was not the worst experience ever. But I do, I do have to tell you because I was talking with our friend JK and uh, texted me after the last episode because I was talking about how silly cocaine bear was <laughs> he yes, basically right. texted yeah, me he said exactly. you can't say anything about cocaine bear since you saw 80 for brady <laughs> i'm like touche touche you're right yeah i i and i will be and 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 full transparency some little elf with giant glasses and a rolling stone t-shirt may have texted me to say uh, to tattle on you that you had actually seen 80 for Brady. Oh, jeez. Um, no. So, yeah. I just talked That's... to him yesterday. He's going to he's gonna get a little talking to. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. Nobody was supposed to know. I, yes. But... You are one of the five people who have seen that movie, your wife being one of the others. So there's three other people who have seen that movie. It, um, it's an, I, it, I don't know what okay, to say. I, I give it a solid five uh, because it... It wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, to be honest with you. And I got to tell you, Tom Brady's a good-looking chap. I mean, he is. He's just... He, is he, he looks, in the movie? What's that? 
Is he in the he movie? He is in the movie, and I believe he's executive producer. I think this is a oh, well, content marketing is. movie. Oh, of course, for he, Tom yes, Brady. Of course, he's in the movie. The whole yes, thing of is Tom. He's yeah, a the whole, obviously it's in the title, but the whole thing is basically a genuflect to Tom Brady, and he does look yes. really good. But what's funny about the whole thing? I'm not giving really anything away, so it doesn't matter. Nobody listening to this. I, mean, I think you watch. I think you probably could give the whole plot. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hazard a guess. Some senior ladies go out and want to see Tom Brady play football. And so there's a journey here. That's the hero's journey of these ladies getting to the Brady game. And it's filled with shenanigans. Am I right? That's it. That's absolutely it. But it does. It's historical fiction. First of all, it is based on somewhat a true story. And that but it's built around the uh, Patriots comeback against the Falcons. What was that? 18, 17? Yeah, 18, I believe. 18. And so I I mean, I watched that Super Bowl, one of the most amazing Super Bowls I've ever seen. And so now they become part of the Not if you're a Falcons story. fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what uh, so it's just just fun side fact. That is what got Dan Quinn, who was then the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, got him ostensibly fired. That's right which made him available to become the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, and he's now one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the league at the moment. So it so all worked out. I'll, I'll, it all, it all out. works out, right. Yeah. I didn't realize that four women over the age of 80 played such an important role in that Super Bowl. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's incredible. It's truly the hero's journey, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine life without those... So now, yeah, we really need to stop. We spent five minutes on okay. talking about right. 80s there we for go. Brady. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. JK. Well, okay. I, I so here's one. here's something that's slightly better than 80 for Brady, uh, which is you launched your book this week. And it was an amazing, I have to say, it was one of the best business-to-business book launches I've seen in a long time. Do you want to talk a little bit about what made it so great? Um, you know, thank you, first of all. So thankful for all the support. You had a great many, many posts. You've been talking about it. Of course, you're in the book. So, I mean, yeah. of course. Yeah, I mean, it's 10% better it's because 10, I'm it's in It's much it. yeah, better than the last horrible version because right. you actually write That's a right. chapter in this one. But I was amazed by the n- number of big influencers and friends of ours that that promoted this and a couple lear- I guess a couple learnings if you want to talk about it. we had two major lists we had one list of influencers and we do a couple things first of all every one of these list of about 75 people that we want them like you we want them to mention the book we put in the book somewhere so we strategically did that and it was okay, easy to do yeah. because they're all very smart people so we went sure. and, did, and then we sent them a care package and that care package included the book and a couple cookies of the book, what we call bookies. Yeah. <laughs> which I think they, should be a side no, business. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It really shouldn't. <laughs> yes, it yeah. should. It really no, it should not. Anyways, should, yeah. So those anyway. people those people got that. And I'll tell you what really worked well. And you had something to do with this, Robert. So we sent out the seventy five and then I got their emails and the day before the launch, which was March 7th, I sent out a note and I said, hey, it's time, really could use your help. And I put two examples of people that already promoted the book and to set up a little competitive thing, I think. Yours was in there with the tequila, which was great. Yep. And Ann Hanley's yep. was in there. And she just, her her LinkedIn post was just went crazy. 
it got, I don't know what it was like 30 or 40,000 impressions. It was just nuts how that one just went around. And I said, yeah. see if you can, I sort of said, see if you can do better than these two. And people actually tried. So you saw oh, a lot of Andrew Davis. Oh my God. Is, I mean, the, the marketing mushroom is, might be my favorite thing that he's the marketing done mushroom. And then I uh, went and I, I, I put, I checked on GoDaddy and said, is marketingmushroom.com available? And it is not. So I'm thinking this might be a thing in the future that he's going to do, which is kind of scary. And uh, anyways, so that worked really well. So you in, put them into the book, your influencers put them into the book and then set up this little competitive thing. Make sure you give them all the assets. Worked really, really well, especially on LinkedIn. And then the other yeah. thing, you and I were talking about it beforehand because you've got your book launch coming up. And you didn't know, you know whether you should put together a launch team. And that's right. Brian Piper. It always feels so, it always feels so, I don't know, just forced. It just feels forced to me, this whole launch team thing. But but you're you're talking me into well, it. Well, so we, we did a couple. He says, hey, last call. If you want to be on the launch team, we ended up getting 199 people signed up. And we put together a specific page for just the people who wanted to be part of the launch team. And we gave them a bunch of assets and we gave them stuff like, um, you know, they got inside that we did a little webinar, Brian and I, we gave them things that uh, nobody else would get. We're going to put together a little thank you reception for just those people at the uh, Creator Economy Expo, you know, those types of things. And it's worked real. It's still continuing to work. They're all posting. They're all very excited about it. Of the 199 people, I think 130 or so joined the LinkedIn page, which is phenomenal. Which just to get that, I didn't think that that would happen. I'm, and these are the nicest people on the planet. And the thing is, these are people that you and I already know. They're the people right, that listen exactly. to the podcast. Yeah. They're people that already support us. And it's just a really good way to sort of bring our super fans into the mix. So if I have to go back and say, okay, why is this marketing? For the book working so well it's that influencer strategy very focused because that that list was like 200 we really narrowed it down to who's the 75 we want to spend our time with to do this thing well and then the next thing was about this uh, you know launch team thing which i actually think you should do and and it's just a way and that's why i think you and i were talking about beforehand the worst thing that could happen is you bring your super fans in a little bit closer to what you're doing in your con yeah. content creation journey so it can't go wrong it's right it's it, right it, it it's either it's either it's not negative right yeah. it, in other words it, it either it either basically builds a little bit of goodwill or you or you hit it out of the park right so nice well i think that's i think that's 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 fabulous and and you're you're talking me into it so i'm going to hit you up again in the summertime when it's time to because i literally hit send over the weekend on my final manuscript with the images and, that's great uh citations and you know all those kinds of things. I'll talk a little bit about that in ransom. When's, but, when's so? When's um, your book? When's the published date? September twenty sixth. It's the first day. We're we're timing it to be exactly on the first day of Content Marketing World. So, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. That's handy. Yeah, it's 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 very cool. It's it's very cool that they're that they're. Kogan Page has been really great to work with. Um, they've they've really molded their marketing and production strategy around the making sure that the book is gets as you know the best lift off it can possibly get <clears throat> and i was pleasantly surprised uh to see them put out so they're putting out a a hardcover version of it um and so if you go on amazon and it's it's on amazon now but uh for pre-sale 
um, but nobody's talking about it yet, of course. But the uh, the hardcover is not just a hardcover with a paper jacket. It's a hardcover with the the graphics and stuff sort of uh, like burned into it, burned into okay. the actual hardcover. So it's beautiful. They're gonna they're they're sending me a copy of 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 what it might look like, and it's I mean I it's it's wonderful. I mean you know you know me right. I I care about that kind of stuff right. So. It's 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 just it's it's expensive as all get out the hardcover book, but but and the reason they do it is because a lot of the international libraries uh, and some of the domestic ones here in the states as well, some of the libraries won't take paperbacks um, into their into their libraries, and and so, and one of their big markets is of course libraries and international libraries, and so they have to make it. So they figure if we're going to make it, we might as well make it awesome. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm interested yeah. when you're done with this process because, you know, obviously, uh, Epic Content Marketing was was published again by McGraw Hill. Love the folks at McGraw Hill, but you know we've talked about it on this show. Traditional publishers do some things really well and some things not so well. Like marketing is sort of not. Mm. And I'm I'm interested to see you're working with another traditional publisher, if you will. What you know? What's the difference? We know what the Wileys do of the world, so it's just interesting to get insight. Yeah, I'll have a whole, you know, when we when we're doing our show and I don't know, let's call it mid October or something after things of where I am, where you are, then I'll I'll yeah. I'll give you I'll give you a full report. It'll be interesting I'll, too. It'll be interesting too because the next so our um, NFT private community, we've got about seventy people in that community. We're doing um, a joint book together called The Content Entrepreneur, which will come out later this year, and we're going to use Lulu for that. And I haven't used. Like I love what Lulu's oh, doing from the data prioritization, but I I've not used yeah. them uh, in you know since I tested them like four years ago. So I'm really interested to see. Okay, now we'll get a really good differentiate. Okay, what's McGraw Hill? You've got your publisher. You've, we've got you can yeah. publish yourself. So lots of different options out there. I like it. We should do a show on that when it comes out. We should do a whole show on. Uh, publishing a book i well you know how i feel i mean half my posts lately have been about publishing like i really believe that it because even of the creators most of the people that come to creator economy expo are have an expertise in something whether it's marketing or sales or communication or ai or whatever and that's how they're going and building an audience around that expertise and i believe that if that's your strategy you need a book like you need, a, right. you know, a drop down on a desk thumping business card that says, this is my mission statement. This is what I stand for. And I know so many, you and I talked to so many people that they've been thinking about it. They've been, they just haven't done it. They yep. haven't put it That's into right. their uh, kind of workflow and strategy to, to get a book out. And it's never been easier to do it. And I just, so I'm out there evangelizing that as well. So, yep. As, as I, as I have always said, since we published our first book, uh, 13 years ago um it I don't expect to make money from a book but expect it to add a zero to your billing rate oh my god that is a great quote oh thank you that is a wonderful quote and the second thing yeah. i just realized is i cannot believe it's been 13 years since managing content I know, marketing right? yeah it's crazy oh my god it's crazy uh yeah. Yeah. Which we self-published with that yeah we self-published on, yes one. yeah 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 uh, on that note should we get to our show no, let's just talk about our books and yeah, a bunch of nonsense. Hold on, we can more. continue to talk about a bunch of nonsense, but we'll we'll couch it around some news. How about that? 
Let's do that. That's right. Yes. That's right. We can be like some of the other social media influencers that are out there, and they only talk about themselves. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, snap. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. We have a great show. Uh, we have, we're going to talk a little bit about TikTok and the ban bills because they're moving fast and furious through the government. Um, and we'll talk about the status of that and where that is. We'll talk about Medium. Uh, remember that uh, good old platform. And it has now opened up Mastodon to its members. Fascinating thing there. I'm getting uh, emails saying that my Medium posts from like five years ago were actually getting some traction. That's kind of weird. Um, We'll talk about how everybody is getting an AI pony. Microsoft, HubSpot, Salesforce all this week announced AI integrations to their solutions, and we'll talk about what that might mean for marketers. And then Wired, the magazine, of course, it has published its guidelines on using artificial intelligence and how it is going to use it. And we'll talk about whether content creators should consider doing something similar. And if we have time, we probably won't, but if we have time, we'll talk about how marketers are starting to adapt uh, to reach these new siloed audiences now that uh, fragmentation is starting to happen in social media. In our rants and raves section, I will uh, rave a little bit about some things that had made tools that made my book uh, finishing a lot easier. And, uh, and then I will also, uh, commentary, I guess, is the right thing about uh, an article in the information. It was an interview with the CEO of OpenAI and what he thinks about what Musk is doing with regard to creating a new non-woke uh, uh, AI. Uh, anyway, I'll is that a noke? That and then is that noke? Uh, yeah, woke, woke, non, non woke, non woke, non woke, non woke. Well, oh, sleep. I guess would be if it's non woke, it would be asleep. I guess. Oh. Anyway, Joe will then rant uh, and rave and probably really give a lot of love to this wonderful post that's really the Jack Handy for yes, uh, living life before is. you die. It is. Yeah. It'll be lovely. People will it'll like be, it. It'll, it will be lovely. People it will, will come. Lovely. All right, let's get on to it. Let's get on to our show, and here we go. Our uh, top story that we're going to cover here, U.S. Senators unveil bipartisan bill. This is amazing. This is the one thing that the U.S. can be bipartisan about. Uh, empowering Biden to actually ban TikTok and other services. This comes to us courtesy of CNN. The article opens up by saying a dozen U.S. senators unveiled bipartisan legislation on Tuesday. That's this Tuesday, two days ago as we record this, expanding President Joe Biden's legal authority to ban TikTok nationwide, marking the latest in a string of congressional proposals threatening the social media's platform future in the U.S. The legislation called the Restricting the Emergency of Security Threats that Risk Information and Communications Technology. <laughs> these some, some of the names of these bills, because they try and twist themselves into Knots to get a cool acronym. It's called the Restrict Act. So get it? Restricting the emergency of security. Can you imagine the group the, the group meetings? Oh, there's a whole pizza on that. There's a whole pizza that the, a whole pizza went down for that for that naming. Anyway. Uh, it does not target TikTok specifically, but it does aim to give the U.S. government new powers up to and including a ban against foreign-linked producers of electronics or software that the Commerce Department deems to be a national security risk. The proposed law takes a wide-ranging approach to fears that companies with ties to China can be pressured by that country's government to handing over American-sensitive personal information. Uh, in the case of TikTok, lawmakers have said that China's national security laws could force TikTok's Chinese parent ByteDance to provide access to TikTok's user data. Um, you've been talking about this for a long time. What, so are we, are we finally getting there? You think this is going to happen soon? No. No, absolutely, 
absolutely yeah. not. I think we're we're on the path, and and you're mentioning the fact that I've been talking about for the last probably year plus that yeah. because of growing tension specifically between China and the U.S that the U.S. would ban TikTok. And by the way, if you own, I, I own a few Chinese stocks and they are really getting punished right now because the more that this gets out in the news, the more people feel, oh, okay, well, maybe they won't be trading on the U.S. market and those types of things. Yes. So so there is definitely something here. The market is, is working uh, like this thing is going to happen ultimately. But my concern, and this is what I want to talk to you about, this is very overreaching. I don't know if you downloaded the PDF uh, with the actual words associated with this. Did you look at the PDF that was in the... I have not yet. No, I have not yet. So I would be relying on you. That's okay. I perused it. Uh, I perused it and and looked at it. It's a a little uh, sleep-inducing, but it's very overreaching. And I know why they did this. And even the article in the CNN talks about the fact that they don't just... And what's the quote at the end? Somebody says they don't want to just play whack-a-mole... Uh, right. Who says this? Instead of playing whack-a-mole on Huawei one day, ZTE the next, Casper, T- whatever, on and on TikTok, we need a more comprehensive approach for evaluating and mitigating these risks posed by these foreign technologies from these adversarial nations, said Warner. Um, this is a concern to me because I like uh, the idea of capitalism. I like free markets. And... Even though you're working with China, who's not a capitalistic society, uh, th- this this could get big quickly. So if something happens, and I think I said it last episode, or maybe it was a couple before that, if something happens that triggers this to really move quickly, this could set back our relationships with inter- all all sorts of international companies, even though they only list China and Iran and North Korea and a couple other ones in the bill itself. I'm concerned. I don't know if you are, but I could see the U.S. government shifting their policy to be so restrictive that it impedes free speech the way we believe free speech should and, and choices the way they should be had. Um I would have liked to see this just done on TikTok, but they didn't. They said, no, let's make it bigger. And I think that's that's a concern of mine. I 100% agree. Uh, I, you know, I think this is yet again a, uh, a, an indication of how just how little the Hill especially uh, understands about the way content, data, media flows in today's world. Um, it just they just don't understand it, and so what the they're treating it like they're shipping, you know, microchips or coal yep. or something, right? And so what they're ostensibly saying is, well, we don't want to play whack a mole on the different companies that are shipping coal across the ocean uh, and being able to stop that. So we're going to put a you know a blanket on anybody who. Uh, basically produces these things from countries that are that we consider untoward, right? And and let's be honest, we're talking about China here. They're not talking about anybody else, right? I mean, this is China. Um, you know, you know, Iran. There's just not a lot of technology innovation coming out of Iran. You know, sorry. Yeah, everything else is a just in case. You're right. Yeah, I mean, everything else is. You know, so the whack a mole argument doesn't really ring a really very true to me with this particular thing. Um, 
because the other thing is is that you're assuming that these companies can't just move, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? They just, you know, they're, they'll move somewhere else. And so you are ultimately going to play whack-a-mole at some level. What, what, what is needed here is rather more of the surgical type of approach like you're saying, I don't know if it's company specific because that gets a little weird too, right? Um, in terms of free markets and whatnot, but it feels like there is a surgical. This is much more about a privacy challenge than it is about any one company in any one country, right? So what we need is the, the American version of GDPR is what yes. we really need yep. because that would solve a lot of what we're talking about here at a surgical level at a and by the way at a domestic level as well and so a privacy bill or a privacy law that actually does address privacy of data of Americans would solve a lot about what's going on here because by by, by then you know uh, you know TikTok in particular would either have to change its behavior and or it would have to be banned in the in the US because of it right it couldn't operate in the same way which either forces them to alter the ID, you know alter the program much like facebook has had to alter in europe and much like google has had to, had to alter in europe and 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 now apple is actually being uh, made to to change the way that they do uh, their uh, hardware plugins to the iPhones in Europe, which is now coming to the U.S. because, of course, they don't want to have a European version and a U.S. version for cost purposes. So there are ways to address this in a much more surgical way that isn't so blanket and isn't so, you know, deaf to the way that media and content and data flow across the world these days. And so that's that's the thing that is, you know, I mean, this is yeah, this is classic politics yeah. right it, it plays well at home so the kinds of things that they're doing that they can go we've we've taken on china and we're we're you know banning all these things for national security because go america right and so it's it, it's it's once again sort of just showing to me that we don't get it we we just don't get it it it's a it, it's a concern that this is so far-reaching uh, especially with I mean, there's still things coming out about COVID and you've got people blaming China. And so there's this anti-China thing going on right now. And it's it's into everything. Now, we have a specific problem with TikTok because of the fact that TikTok can move sentiment, in my opinion, because they have the best algorithm on the planet. It is the most uh, it's 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 the most influential social media app right now, in my opinion, in the world. And. Of course. Americans love it, That's, right? So they could move yeah. sentiment if they wish to do that. But to go in and say we're going to fix this problem with not a you know not a, a hammer, if you will, with with we're gonna with the we're gonna bring in the entire army and the fleet to, sure, <laughs> to fix exactly. this too. Right. Right. This is this is the problem. This could get this could get ugly, in my opinion. It could go south quickly, especially. I I don't know. I'm, I'm I think it's not this. going anywhere. Yeah, I think it's. I, well, I think it's not going anywhere. I, not, I think no, will I think I think you're right. It's not going anywhere right now. I think there's a trigger. Yeah. Something is going to have to happen, and we're we're kind of every week. It's just there's a little bit more tension that's going on between the U.S. and China, but that's going to keep ebbing and flowing. But if something specific happens, this thing can go, and they'll and Biden will use it. 
because he'll have right. pressure from both parties, as well, you said, to do it, to do right. something. And 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 make no make no mistake here. This is not your regular Congress critter getting smart about technology and finally waking up to this fact. This is the lobby from face from Meta. Let's just so so Meta, Twitter, Google, Amazon, all of them. Uh, that this is that lobby, the tech lobby, that's basically coming in and saying, "Do it, do it, fight, 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 do it, do it, do it." You know, they 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 want this in the worst way because it gets rid of a competition. Yes. Well, uh, I don't know if you you saw earlier. It was last week or earlier this week. Snapchat stock boomed on this news. Yeah. On this news. Yeah, so if you don't think that they're <laughs> so they added a billion dollars or whatever they did to their market cap. Because there's news that TikTok might be banned. It's That's a big right. deal for these companies. A huge deal. So you don't think that Snapchat and Google and Apple and Microsoft have their lobbyists in there? They yep. absolutely Same do. They thing. probably yep. wrote restrict. I not, I would not be surprised yeah. at all. Not they that this is the conspiracy who, theory show, but no, no. Hey, let's they, just put it they out They bought there. the pizza. They bought the pizza for that room that came up with that <laughs> it's acronym. It's a pizza party. I guarantee you. It's a pizza party. Pizza party. What's it going to be? Are we going to call it retract? No, retract doesn't work. How about restrict? Restrict. restrict. Oh, my God. You're a genius, Barbara. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's move on now to our next story here, which comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch. Uh, the headline here, Medium. Uh, remember Medium? They launched a premium Mastodon instance as a membership perk. Publishing platform Medium is opening up its Mastodon instance, me.dm, to its members, the company announced today. Last month, Medium first teased its plans around the Fediverse, the group interconnected servers powering a range of open-source decentralized applications, including the Twitter alternative Mastodon and others. It said it wanted to make access to me.dm a perk included with Medium membership, offering a place for authors and readers to discuss the content published on its platform. The company explained at the time that this would make for an interesting local feed, a reference to how Mastodon users can view a dedicated feed of just the conversations happening in their own instance, in addition to those happening more broadly across the federated servers, those servers that their local server knows about and is connected to. In addition, Medium said that it would tackle some of the onboarding challenges involved with joining Mastodon by making it easier for newcomers to find both the people and topics that match their interests as part of its onboarding flow. Go, article goes on here to talk about the uh, similarities that it has to others uh, and some, you know, basically repeating for SEO purposes of the same point over and over again. But basically, it's this that they are really talked, really trying to make Mastodon a thing as a as a feature. What, what, do you think this is a is this just a, a desperate grasp for relevance in today's world from medium or is this something that is serious and we should pay attention to not yeah i i know that you're a big mastodon fan so i'm not well i'm i'm a mastodon fan i'm not sure i would say i'm a big fan i mean i'm 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 still using it and i'm enjoying it and i like the the fact that it's a it's it's a quiet restaurant instead of a loud party but uh other than that i i I recognize the challenges with it for sure. Yeah. So I mean that that aside, for whatever that's worth, uh, I think this is big old yawner. I think this is yeah. uh, medium should be going directly after Substack. Exactly. And they're doing this as a membership perk. I mean, I'm like, who cares? I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Is it? It's fine. Sure. It's yeah. okay. It's good even, but it is boring as heck. When Medium 
has the opportunity to go to help their creators build an audience of an addressable database and go head to head against Substack, they could take that back what they once had the opportunity to get and they're not doing it and they're doing this kind of stuff. Come on. That's that's what I would say. Nothing against yeah. medium. I just said I would just say think bigger because they have the opportunity. Now if they decide not to because they they don't want to be around in the future, <laughs> then fine. Good for you. Good right. for you. That's right. That's what I would say. Yeah, it feels very this that's what it feels like to me. It feels very much to me like they have lost a lot of presence in the marketplace. Um like just nobody's talking about them, and this feels very much like, "Hey, remember us? Re- remember us? We're we're still over here. We're still working. We're still trying to do things, and not doing terribly meaningful, innovative things." It just Substack is drinking everybody in that space's milkshake right now. Um, I mean, there's just there's just no doubt about it. Substack is on a on a hockey stick trajectory at at the moment, and uh, it's it's amazing. It's 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 amazing, and and this feels very much like, hey, we're you know we're still here kind of thing, and uh, I think, it, it it I don't think it'll I don't think it'll matter at all. I don't think it'll cause a, a a small or a medium or a large size ripple. I think the bigger story here is is what happens now to medium, right? What 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 happens? What you know? Can someone come in, a la Elon, and and pull it in because of course it used to be part of Twitter and then isn't. Um, and then, so it, can it actually be pulled back into Twitter for Elon to make a, a, a much more broader platform as a sub stack like yep. platform for Twitter, which would be a huge boost by the way. And I don't know if you saw the news that, that, uh, uh, he's getting some external investment now. He's he's actually getting. It looks like uh, there have been a couple of deals he's closed to get some external. You're talking about Twitter, what, Twitter, yeah. yeah, the new Twitter, yeah, the so, new Twitter. So there may be some things coming in Twitter's future. Um, so medium members. So this whole thing is packaged into a medium membership. So I, I don't. I'm not a medium member, but it says it's running from five dollars per month to fifty dollars per year. Whatever. You know yeah. what? Forget that. The the members right. I think that I think the membership part offer the service. Offer the Substack type service. Have it be free for the first whatever hundred subscribers or fifty subscribers and then charge your monthly plan based on subscribership. It's that's right. That model will work for medium. But you're gonna say, Oh, yeah. let's let's put in another thing that a feature. You say this all the time, Robert. Oh, just features. Let's put in another feature and we could charge five dollars yeah. more for it. No. Nobody wants this. So That's right. it's like, That's I, right. I, That's right. did you see the new uh, Chris Rock uh, special on Netflix? I have not yet. I have not. I've been, it's on my, it's on my to watch list. I, for so sure. I'm not going to give anything away, but the really interesting example is I think he's talking about, I forgot who, maybe Patagonia, whatever. He's talking about a Patagonia type company. No, well, he's talking about a car. And he said, Hey, if you buy my car, I'm going to uh, donate $250 to your favorite charity. And Chris said, that's a stupid idea. He says, you know what you do? Give me $250 off my car. I'm the number one charity. Like, do it for me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, I don't care about your whole charity. That's what this feels like. It's just like, oh, we're going to do something nice and do the Mastodon thing. It's like, no, no, no. Just just offer the service, you know? Anyways. Yeah, just just 
Be good at what you do. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And by the way, uh, it is definitely not safe for work. But it's it's really interesting, especially with uh, Chris coming off the whole Will Smith thing, which he talks oh, about yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end for 10 minutes. So, yeah, it's I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it. All right. Let's move on to our next story here, which is uh, about A.I., um, and this week, uh, you know, it, you knew it was coming, uh, and this week seemed to be the week for it. Uh, HubSpot, Salesforce, and Microsoft all announced integrations of generative AI. And the fascinating thing to me here is that all of them seem to be leveraging open AI. So it's like, why not just go to the source? But uh, yes, uh, so this we'll we'll cover. We'll have three links in the show notes covering each of the uh, each of the companies here. Uh, from AdAge uh, is the announcement on Microsoft announcing that it will have an AI assistant for marketing and customer service in their new Dynamics three six five product, which is now going to be called Dynamics three six five Copilot. And that'll be for applications to do things like being able to automatically draft a customer service email or uh, be able to chat uh, and, and create an, a contextual chat for your customer service uh, rules and how-tos and all those kinds of things, uh, which will be uh, all of the new capabilities are being released in preview form uh, and are being tested by early customers. And then there is an article about Salesforce, which, by the way, totally had their you know, how do you like them apples moment? Holy smokers, did they crush their fourth quarter earnings Mm -hmm. and sort of go, you know, they went, they went, hey, by the way, we're still here and we're still crushing it, by the way. Um, I I love that announcement from Salesforce and had a chance to talk with some of the folks over there. And anyway, they're, 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 it's a good company um, that has gone through some weird, weird, weird crap of late. Um, But I'll get off on a rant on that. But basically they came out and said, hey, by the way, we had this whole Einstein AI thing. Remember, we launched that in 2016. But basically, we're going to relaunch it and call it Einstein GPT and, and infuse uh, OpenAI's technology into our new solution. And that will give much the same kinds of things that we just talked about with Microsoft on the thing, which is going to be, hey, we can help you craft emails and marketing, help marketers do landing pages, help uh, customer service do all these things through a natural language chat interface. And then not to be outdone by any of them, uh, HubSpot uh, actually announced this week two new AI-driven tools. One, a an, another generative content, like the world needs another generative content tool, uh, but basically a content assistant that allows you to write high-quality content, says the press release, uh, and basically do suggesting of blog titles and writing blog content and emails and all those kinds of things. But the more interesting one that I think Darmesh himself is working uh, on directly is what they call chatspot.ai. And that one is a natural language sort of interface that helps you do tasks, right? So add contacts and companies to uh, the CRM system, uh, ask for custom reports like marketing sales and all those kinds of things, or again, draft emails that are personalized to people in your CRM system. And that'll be very interesting. So with all of that, I definitely have a take on all of this. What what uh, what what is yours on on sort of where all this is going? Well, yeah, not, I mean Microsoft and Salesforce and HubSpot all doing some great work, but this is, feels very eerily similar to um, 
the end of 2020, beginning of 21, when Web3 just took off. And everybody, all these big companies had to have a take on it. They launched their thing. They got active. They said, we're getting involved in the Web3 communities and whatever. And, you know, it spiked up and then came back down. So we've seen more AI launches of some kind of products or integrations in the past two months than we've had ever. (laughs) So I think that this is the trend for the next few more weeks. And then we'll go back to, okay, like what are we really going to do with this? And there's nothing wrong with these things. I mean, I've, I think it's amazing what Darmesh has been able to do, the creating chat spot. I've been, he's been posting it on LinkedIn. I've been seeing it. It sounds like it's him. And he's creating it, and he's bringing a hundred. He says he's bringing a hundred uh, uh, alpha members in every day, and seeing what they're doing, and getting back, and really doing, you know, one-to-one customer service type stuff. So, and that's just amazing that he's that's sort of his role at HubSpot as co-founder. But I, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to see another three and these next week, and another four of these the next week, and um, <laughs> I almost like your yeah, just go to the source. But this is this is the shining hour for AI integrated tech, and yeah. in six months, we're probably not going to talk about these things for a while. That's right. my take. Well, here, so here's what I I say. I the the to me the the interest. We talked a little bit about this last week on the show. To me, this integration is where AI will earn its keep. Um, and what I mean by that is in all of the non-obvious ways that AI will be useful for doing existing tasks and getting uh, streamlining workflow for marketers and people who use this software on a day-to-day basis. In other words, being able to say, hey, give me a report on last week's performance of this email campaign. And literally the AI spits out you know, your report all formatted and, and ready to roll, right? Instead of having to go click and type and, you know, drag and drop this and figure out all of that, that's going to be the, the, the interesting application. The whole let's, and, 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 you know, the whole let's write original content, you know, let's write a blog post, let's write a white paper summary, let's write a thing. It already feels commoditized. Yep. And so, the idea there that everybody's differentiating on that right now is, to me, a failure of marketing. That's a differentiate. So what, what, what I would say to all three of these companies is, shut up about the generative content stuff. Every, every solution will have that. Like It's like every solution will have the ability to email somebody. Every solution will have the ability to have workflow uh, task management in their software because you have to. That's like... That's like table stakes these days. And that has quickly gotten there. It's, a, it's, it's amazing and truly remarkable how fast we've gotten to the commoditization of this thing. But literally, it, you, go to, you, know, you go to chat.openai.com, you get an account, and you can do everything that they're talking about doing here. However, now here's the interesting part. And I, we talked about this last time, too. What's going to be more interesting to me is how these companies, HubSpot, Microsoft, uh, Salesforce, whoever, starts to tailor the learning models and the data that they're using to just you. In other words, to just your company, to the, to tune. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this in my commentary at the end uh, in my the rants and rave section. But the more interesting thing is 
how do you start manipulating the learning model so that it's more useful to you as a user, not just what the internet believes? Because the uselessness of a marketer being able to go, hey, what's the first photograph being taken by the Hubble you know, the Space Telescope is, that's useless to a business user. What's useful is being able to look at the corpus of 40,000 documents in my library and only my library and start telling me, okay, how do I write this new press release in this style of my brand? That's what's going to be really and truly useful. And so I think that, that there's the differentiator. So the first one of these companies, HubSpot, Microsoft, Salesforce, whoever, that starts coming out and saying, hey, it's not, it's not the Internet's learning model or it's not OpenAI's learning model. It's our, your learning model. We're going we're gonna to tailor this thing for you. That will be the interesting things to watch and then integrate it into the workflow and you've got something interesting there. Interesting, yeah. I haven't thought about that, but that that would be the yeah. right positioning versus the fact yeah. that you can't – I mean, I think to your point, the conversation that I'm seeing on social media is – Will AI take my writing job? Is silly. It's it's the wrong conversation. I think you're right. This is the wrong conversation that we should be having. Yes, it is the wrong. It is the wrong conversation, and and um, and it's because oh yeah. Anyway, we get off on a rant there, and we should probably move on to our next story. But but it's it it is it, it will be interesting to follow for sure. I'm. I'm, by the way, I'm diving deep here. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying the exploratory work that I've been doing in this space. And so, Ooh, uh, yeah, nice. yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Um, okay, uh, let's move on to our next story here. And this is a really interesting one, a fun one for us to sort of, uh, before we get to rants and raves, talk a little bit about. Uh, it is also about AI. And, and by the way, thanks to Paul Reitzer for uh, keying me into this article uh, that he talked about on a podcast that he was on. Uh, and uh, see how I did? I brought him back. I brought him I'm back, back again. You, 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 you just I, can't I, let I, him go. Right? You I miss just, him. I just, yeah, he, he makes me want to be a better man. Okay, <laughs> so, all right. The headline here, how Wired will use generative AI tools. Uh, this is, comes right from the source from Wired.com. And it's basically uh, talking about them writing their own little manifesto, if you will. Some publications are already using text and image generators, says Wired. Here's how we will and won't use the technology. The article goes on by saying, like pretty much everybody in the past few months, journalists have been trying to figure out generative AI tools like ChatGPT to see whether they can help us do our jobs better. AI software can't call sources, wheedle information out of them, but it can produce half-decent transcripts of those calls, and new generative AI tools can condense hundreds of pages of those transcripts into a summary. Basically goes on uh, in this article to talk about how they will, what their policy will be about publishing stories with text generated by AI, uh, how they will uh, not publish text edited by AI. They may try to use AI to suggest headlines. They may try to use AI to generate story ideas, and they may experiment with using AI as a research or analytical tool. They go on and on and on, and it's a fantastic, wonderful sort of manifesto here about how they will, the transparency that they're providing. Do you think this is going to become like the normal thing for content creators, publishers, media companies to do? I mean, are we going to have to get to a place where we disclose what is what is and isn't being going to or going to be used by uh, artificial intelligence? What do you think? Well, b- before I read this, I would have said no, but now I say def- definitely. I think that yeah. this is sort of part of the mission statement for a content creator, content brand in any way. 
about how you use it. I think it's important, at least for right now, it feels like it's important. I mean, the fact that they go through their commandments, we do not publish stories with text generated by AI. We do not publish text edited by AI either. And they go down all the way to the bottom. We do not publish AI generated images or videos until, and they go in to say why, until the lawsuits going on with image generators, we're not going to be involved in that. Like, I really think I'm super, this is a very simple document. I'm super impressed by it. I would say that every, you know, we'll put it in the show notes. I think that every content creator should read it, take a look at it and tell their audience, this is how we use it. I think people right now want to know now in six months or a year, maybe they don't care. Maybe this is not an issue, but right now it feels like the right thing to do. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a short term thing. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this reminds me very much of uh, the going, it, it reminds me very much of how, you know, in the early days, uh, companies, and I, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting at all that this is a good thing. But uh, in the early days, how there were disclosures on things like ADA compliance and other elements of content compliance that companies used to put on their websites to say, here's how we comply with the ADA, you know, the American with Disabilities Act is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not suggesting that's not a that good thing, because I understand that access and fundamental access to websites is hampered a great deal. But I remember back in the day, uh, you know, let's call this early 2000s, when we were still building a lot of websites in the company I worked for and doing content management and being able to publish structured content and clean HTML and clean code and clean... Uh, and, and there were all kinds of requirements that we used to have to meet to, to basically meet ADA compliance and publish things in a way that the readers, the technology at the time, the way that the readers would work for the blind, would read websites to people. And so in some cases, you had to publish an entirely different website, basically one that was, you know, compliant with the the readers and all those kinds of things. So this reminds me very much of that, which is in the short term, I think this is a publicity play uh, more than than it is a real challenge. Um, I'm not saying they're not earnest about it. I'm just saying that, you know, it's 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 definitely sort of a, you know, it's a little bit of virtue signaling in my mind. Um, sure. But, you know, but should they do it? Should people do it? I think so in the short term. I mean, it's, it, it certainly makes sense in the short term to make people feel more at ease and especially the people who have larger audiences and want to maintain a level of trust, especially if they have an artist that, or excuse me, a, a community that uh, of artists or others that would be more concerned about these technologies than others. Wired being a perfect example right. of this, their audience is typically creative people and technical people who are going to have a little more concern over this than, say, somebody reading, you know, Homes and Garden. And so, uh, you know, if Homes and Garden uses AI, I don't think their audience is going to care that much. So I, I think ultimately this is a short term play that will wear itself out quickly. But but to the to your point, if you're in the art industry and you're in the tech industry, this is something I think you should do now. And yeah, so this absolutely. is how we're dealing with. You're right. 100%. If you're the gift card association yeah. blog, you don't have to necessarily do this. Yeah, I mean, ph- photography sites used to uh, 
disclose whether or not they had digital photography, right? They or, or they would accept digital photography. Same kind of thing, right? In, in the in you know early art magazines used to have to disclose or chose to disclose whether they would take digital art, you know, created entirely in Photoshop. Um, and so I think this is similar to that, where depending upon your audience and how passionate they are about this topic, it makes more sense than else. Yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll go. see where it All goes. Right. But I, I would. Absolutely. I think that if anybody listening to this has an editorial mission statement, they should read this article and integrate what you can for the time being. Because it's a living, it's a Agreed. living document, anyways. Well, here's the here's the interesting thing is it, it. What I like about it is the fact that it generates discussion. Yes. Right. It, it about what is the right approach. Because by saying, by taking a stand, by actually publishing a stand and saying, this is what we will and won't do, it generates a discussion about whether or not their audience likes that or not. And I think that's a good thing for a brand to do, to have the discussion with it, whether or not you publish a manifesto. If you're a content creator, having a discussion with your audience about it is, I think, a, is a, is a positive thing. It's just the only thing it can do is deepen the trust. Mm -hmm. So kudos to Wired for doing this. We'll there see how long Absolutely. it lasts. Everything yeah, seems so fleeting exactly. these days. And boy, no kidding. It's just moving <laughs> fast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our rants and raves section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we've just come out of 80 for Brady or oh. that we actually haven't had to sit through that movie. Um, and I'll let you decide on your own. Oh, no, hey, but, well, before, before we do... We should talk about all the places they can get us, and then we'll go through. Oh, right! Fantastic, fantastic. Let's fantastic. do that. You thank you for catching me on that. <laughs> of, course, of course, before we get to our rants and raves section, thank you so much, Joe, for correcting me on that. Yes, please do get to our website at thisoldmarketing.site, where you can get all the shows, all the links for the show notes, and of course, you can subscribe to newsletters uh, that we have out there, including Joe's The Tilt uh, and my little newsletter, The Experience, for our Experience Advisors community. Uh, it's all wonderful there. You can get all the wonderful stuff. And by the way, you can leave us messages. We've been getting your voicemails. We've been getting your emails through the site. Thank you so much for that. The story ideas are great. The ideas are great. Your kind words are always appreciated. We love it. We love all of you so much for listening to this show. Uh, you can also hashtag us up on Twitter, of course, with This Old Marketing. I'm, I'm still debating coming back, um, but I am monitoring the Twitter channel for all the story ideas, so do continue to do that. I'm getting added a lot, and I'm just like, oh, I want to respond. I so know. You ha you're going to have to do it. Yeah. When, when you gonna do your book launch, back. it's going to break you. You're gonna have to. Do I'm it. gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably have to come back soon. It would anyway, break you. all of that is there at thisoldmarketing.site. We will break you. <laughs> uh, what do you predict? Pain, pain. Oh, that's two movies. That's two different that's movies. Two different all right, movies, never mind. But two good ones. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you want to go yeah, first? I'll or go shall first. I go mine's first? mine's quick and easy. Okay. Uh, just I. This is sort of fluffy, uh, and a little bit sentimental. But I wanted to share it. I put it in my random newsletter because I think that. We get so, and we're, you know, you and I talk about this AI stuff and content marketing and book launches all the time. What's really important? And I saw this post from Sahil Bloom, and I follow Sahil on, uh, on LinkedIn. And basically, Sahil made a list of the 10 things I know I'd regret on my deathbed. Now, this is very dependent, this list. I'm just going to go through the 10, and then I'll, I'll head over to yours. But these 10 are very dependent on about where you are 
at in life and <laughs> what your age is. But I want to go through these and it's interesting. So basically, number one, not spending enough time with my kids during the magic years. Uh, of course, you need to have kids. So it depends. My kids are older now. But number two is much more interesting to me right now because of where I'm at in, uh, in my life, not spending enough time with my parents during their remaining years. So think about that. Number three, not training my body and mind during the middle years. That's so important right now. I have so many of my friends that are struggling health-wise right now. So don't take that for granted. Number four, allowing true friendships to atrophy over time. Sort of like I did when we stopped this podcast, Robert. So we had to bring it back because our friendship was that important. <laughs> Number five, yeah. allowing negativity to linger in my life. I love this one. Number six, letting money control my life. Oh my gosh. Number seven, not leaving something that lasts beyond my life. Why are we doing what we're doing? Number eight, wasting precious time stressing about the stupid little things. Number nine, not working on things I consider meaningful. And number 10, allowing my quest for more to distract me from the beauty of enough. So a little sentimental, a little fluffy in places, Robert, as you know, a little Jack Handy-ish, if you will. But I like it because it gets you thinking that, hey, it's not just all about creating a better piece of content or a better story or building an audience. It's really about why are we here in the first place? So just a nice little friendly reminder, and I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it's it's it, well, it's a it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder in, in so many different ways for, you know, the, I mean, because I, you know, my I don't have kids. Uh, both my parents are gone, um, and so, but I'm a little older, uh, just a little bit older, just a skosh, um, and so just a skosh. Uh, but all the stuff, the, what I really resonated with when I read it, when you sent it over, was the stuff about not confusing more with enough, um, because I've. I've, you know, I, I've definitely been guilty of that in the past um, and not understanding what I'm really trying to pull out of the universe, you know, what I really want to manifest in my life. It's not necessarily more. Uh, and I learned that in a, in my lesson in that, you know, as 2019 turned into 2020, that lesson came crashing down on me in a, in a big way of the more versus enough versus health. Uh, and so it, it's it, those things are connected, and it, it, it's such that is an important, a hugely important lesson to, to to really start to think about. Be really clear about what it is you want, what is enough, right? And then that's start working from that because it's 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 important for sure. Yeah, and yeah, there's so many things, right? The stressing over stupid things and the and the health one. I mean, yeah, it's just you know, make make we all have control over these things. So yeah. don't, and maybe that's the thing that I want to get across to a lot of people. And when I do some mentoring, I talk about that is a lot of these decisions that we fret over, we have a hundred percent control, but some cases we feel we can't do it for some reason. And you just have to keep asking yourself, why, why do you feel you can't do it? And you get down to the point where it's just your own fears. You absolutely can make these decisions. If you decide to do them, you, you've made the decision, but you just are not that's doing right. it because of, for whatever reason. So it's That's this whole exactly thing. Like, right. oh, I can't do it. I can't make that. I yep. can't make this money. I can't take this job. I can't. Well, don't say can't. Say, yeah. Say say you don't want to, or you won't, or it, you can do it, but it will take these things to get there. But there's no can't, right? Come on. Yeah, that's right. It's and it and it it, it, it the, it's another great reminder that worry is the most useless emotion that there is. Wor- worrying is not a useful emotion at all. There's nothing useful about it. And so it's not, it's not meant to say that you shouldn't feel fear, 
or regret or concern. It's to say that worrying about things like that is not a useful, productive use of your, you know, use of your life. You know, deal with it or don't. And worry, know, worry, that's, yeah, that's, worry comes from indecision. That's right. That's so exactly if you're worried about something, you're not making you're a decision in, not, somewhere. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly. So there right. you go. All right. Well, that's well. That was lovely. That was lovely. Um, I like that. Let's, that let's keep it going. Nice. Let's keep it going yeah, with something positive. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Actually, I am. I'm going to rave very quickly about a site that I... So I've just finished the the final manuscript on the book. Yay! Uh, Congratulations. And I spent my Saturday... Yes, I spent my Saturday... Uh, there's more than 70 citations I have in my book. Um, and when I wrote the book, I was like, oh, I'll just come back to this, right? I'll just come back. You know, it's like, capture the link, capture the book title, put it into the footnotes, and I'll come back to that. Boy, but I... I probably would rethink that now that I'm, you know, uh, uh, to do it all over again. However, and this is not a, there's no, I get nothing out of this. I'm, there's no affiliate link, nothing, nothing about this. I just wanted to put a shout out for a site called easybib.com. Maybe you all know about this. I did not know about this. Is it E-A-S-Y or E-Z? E-A-S-Y, E-Z, E-A-S-Y-B-I-B. So it's basically easy bibliography. Um, so it's easybib.com. And it's free, um, and uh, so you do look at ads, you, but you you put up a um, uh, you know you open an account so you can save your work, and boy, it, it, they, the it, the name is in the title. I mean, it is it is easy to do, and you just plug in a URL. Some some publications, it's interesting which publications it finds easy to find. You know, talk about structured content, uh, where it finds the author, the date, uh, and the title. And it's all good to go. And it basically formats it in whatever style. I mean, they've got like 27 different styles of bibliography that you can have. It, it, it just made things so damn easy. Uh, and you can export it out. And it just, I, I mean, what would have taken, what I thought was going to take me all weekend took me about four hours to do. It was just, wow. it was great. So it's like, like a, it was, uh, easy bib is like the NWA for bibliographies is what you're saying. Sort there you of go. A little there easy you go. E So if you, if you have a need for that, I, I couldn't recommend it higher. Again, I get nothing out of this. I'm just a shout out. You know, I don't know anybody there. Uh, I got, I got it referred to me by my publisher. And I was like, this is fantastic. Nice. I'm going to start using it now for my white papers. I'm going to start using it for a lot of things. Um, okay. Uh, the thing that I want to sort of put, provide commentary on, and we'll link to this in the show notes. And now I know it's, 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 a, it's the information is where the article comes from. And I know it's a paid subscription. So some of you are I, – I, I, there's no free version of this, unfortunately, because it is an exclusive. It's an interview that they did with the OpenAI – uh, president Greg Brockman, um, and uh, it's just a fascinating interview. I mean, it's just a, it's a really if you're into AI and really into the development of it and sort of the philosophies behind learning models, I think it's just a really insightful interview into the challenges that they have, and the sort of angle that the author of the article took was around the criticism. Uh, around the Elon Musk has recently said about how OpenAI and ChatGPT is left-leaning uh, versus being independent, quote-unquote, and that how Elon Musk is promising to make a non-woke version of ChatGPT, which is just at its face ridiculous, but, but okay. Um, so the idea and what is really interesting to me about that 
particular angle. And what I was talking about earlier in the show is, and, and, and by the way, Greg comes across here as thoughtful, as interesting. He fully mea culpas the, the idea of that they should have done things perhaps a little differently because they got a lot of criticism for the values that they did put in or didn't put in to ChatGPT before releasing it. And so he says some of those criticisms are absolutely warranted. He said, but, you know, we're all charting new uh, territory here. Um, and basically, the interesting thing to me was, and this gets back to what I was talking about with the verticalized uh, very specific learning models here is that Greg talks very specifically about that. He said, as people start building out these tools, people, as he says, people should have the ability to have their own specialized versions if they want them. In other words, you should have a specialized version of ChatGPT for students that won't give answers, or you should have a specialized version of AI that basically does one specific task or that uses one specific or a limited learning model. And he said that's basically, he says that's what a lot of people are missing right now is that he's not putting a lot of these hard-coded rules into the open, uh, and, 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 you know, the, again, the name is in the title, into this open system that they have created. They have not decided to put their finger on the scale of anything. He said, because whose values would we actually put in there? He said, would we put our values in? Would we put somebody else's values in? Would we put, where, you know, whose finger should be on the scale? He said, so we have we've made decisions around keeping this as open as we possibly can. But what we have to remember is, is that by keeping it that open, that it is indeed a reflection of what it learns. So it's a reflection of all of us. And by its very nature, we'll have bias that will shift over time. In other words, it may be that left bias is on the internet right now. Because why? Because it's more popular? Because it's right? Because It doesn't matter. There, the, it will always reflect the entirety of the learning model. And that's what we have to remember as we use these tools for our businesses, for our creative process, for all of the things that we're doing, is that we're such in the early days of looking at where the limits are and where we should put limits and where we should put our finger on the scale or not. You know, should we change the way that students do uh, essays or should we provide them only access to limited learning models that won't allow them to do such? Any of those things are possible now. We just have to start making decisions. And it reminds me so much of the old Marshall McLuhan uh, uh, idea that, you know, we shape our technology and thereafter our technology shapes us. And we have to be the ones to make the decision about how it's going to shape us. And that is the important thing here. And I just think it's a wonderful interview and very insightful and just really important in the sort of all of our path of, of learning about what this is all going to be about. So go read it. No, I love it. And uh, it's been a long time since you brought in Marshall McLuhan. So thank you. Yeah, okay. I mean, at least two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> at least two weeks before I bring in McLuhan. Yeah, I was just, I just scratched it out. I'm like, it's been too long. I mean, like, what's going on? Yeah, where, where's yeah, the Marshall McLuhan is. insight? There it is. Gonna be there. It is. So there no, it is. Very good. Of course. Very good. 
Very nice. What, so what's up for you this week? Oh, uh, we are uh, we are heads down. No, no, no. I, I'm a, we're taking. Of course, we keep going with book promotion. But Creator Economy Expo, uh, we're really pushing hard. Three thirty one. Heard about that? Three thirty one is our early bird deadline. Uh, this old marketing listeners, the coupon code is TOM two hundred all caps to get two hundred dollars off. Uh, make sure you do that before three thirty one. We want to see you there. I believe. That Robert and I are well. I haven't really talked to you about this, but I'm. I think that we're, it's going to work out where you and I can do a podcast in Cleveland together. So that'll be fun, right? Can we do that? Yeah, of course. I'm. Yeah, yeah you're I mean, up for it. We're going to have a. We have. Uh, yeah. Well, we I got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a podcasting stu- studio on the show floor, and so you and I will be there. We're going to do it. I think we'll do. We can do it if it works out live in front of our wonderful listeners, and we would love you all to be there to see us. Um, just be idiots in person instead of just through. Can we get audio. alcohol again? Can we get? We did we, the one time we've done the two times we've done this. We've had alcohol, so I think we should have beers or something. Yes, oh, that's because, for sure. Yes, we will. We'll. we'll yeah. We're going to work something out. Of course, I haven't told okay. the, the operational team yet, but they like it when I spring things on them in the last minute. Yeah, of course. They I'm, seem I to really dig do. dig that. Anyways, I know they. Do. What do you, What do you have going on? Uh, well, we, we're, uh, again, just, uh, I mean, we ha- it has been a busy front end of the year. So, uh, yeah, just a lot, of, a lot of client work has been great. Just finished the book, so I have freed up a little bit of my time to, to do other things. And I'm, I'm thinking about my presentation for, uh, for CEX. So I'm thinking about that, and that's going to be fun. Uh, working on my new Content Marketing University class for 2023, uh, so it's uh, it's you know, busy, busy, wow. busy, busy time. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, yeah, busy time. All right. Well, that is all for us this week. Uh, thank you so much, by the way, and uh, we will see you again next week. And remember, until we see you again next week, that it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See ya. We'll see you on the next. This old. Morning.